I started doing up arrows and really, really tricking them out in order to showcase what the product line will do. Mm-hmm. And then started selling arrows. I can't keep up. Started private labeling actually for Java Man bows. And then bear archery, about a 10 year span, it just it grew. The neat thing is, is that with the traditional archery, I've never met a better group of people. Yeah, they're... It's just amazing to me. Welcome to Wild Game Dynasty's podcast, episode number 57. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We have a really special podcast this week, and we really appreciate you keeping us in focus for something to do during these uh, these different times. And, uh, of course, last night I see it posted where we got another 30 days in the hole, as we call it. we got to try, I guess, in my opinion, sometimes try to spin this thing in a positive way to have some fun with it. It's not a uh, something that we take lightheartedly. It's not that at all. But we got to keep a sense of humor and keep our, uh, keep our chins up a bit. Sometimes that's not easy to do. But hey, we're going to have some, uh, uh, some, some more time to think about it, if nothing else. Anyways, hey, moving forward, we did a podcast with a fellow in Michigander. We're bringing him to you today this week and his name is Joe Callahan from True North Arrows and Joe is a you know, he's a he's a craftsman he's an artist and he just recently landed the contract to build all of Bear Archery wooden arrows I think not just their wooden arrows but with their private label on them so Joe is a uh, as soon as it happened in person, he's going to be real busy. He knows that, but he's been building private label arrows for other uh, large-scale folks too, other archery supply places. But he can build yours too, and that's what this podcast is all about during these times when uh, maybe we've kind of dialed back and look uh, into something we've been putting off for quite a while, maybe that special craft that you've been wanting to uh, bring out of the basement, bring out of the garage, and uh, Joe has a, uh, a wonderful story to tell you, plus we know that uh, a lot of people might not have an opportunity to bring something like that into the indoors because of, well, maybe paint is kind of a, has an odor that's, uh, you kind of wonder if it's toxic or not, etc., etc. Hey, this is uh, not something to worry about. Joe says that he has did his homework and his product is... Uh, is toxic free, etc. This is one of those crafts you can bring in your home and have a lot of fun with it. And he mentioned this is becoming a uh, a big deal for a lot of people, even those that don't hunt, um, participate in archery shoots, indoor archery leagues, outdoor three D shoots, and this would be a great time uh, to build up your stock, your supply, and build some of your own arrows. You know, kind of sit down with the kiddos. And uh, that you're locked down with for 30 days and, and maybe uh, get a chance to uh, build that arrow stock supply that you've been kind of hoping for for a long time but never really had much time for it. Anyways, without further ado, let's roll right into podcast episode number 57 with Joe Callahan of True North Arrows. Joe Callahan, this is Gary Morgan. Gary, how are you, sir? Not too bad. Hey, appreciate you taking my phone call today. Not a problem. They were all kind of, I should say, stuck inside somewhere, but 
we all are. Yeah, I mean, we can say that without having to explain it, and everybody on planet Earth just about knows about it. Hey, it's called making lemons out of lemonade, or, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Making lemonade out of lemons, we'll say that. Maybe I've been hold up too much here in my house. Well, I think we all have. <laughs> yeah, crazy thing going on, but I tell you what, I you, know, you keep running into people. I've done a few podcasts with some people out of state, and everybody's sentiments are the same. Uh, still very, very pleased and just tickled to death that we live in the United States of America when you start looking at maybe some news pieces and stuff or whatever's online, and boy, we're very fortunate. Yes, we are. Hey, we could go on and on about that, but Hey, I first met you about three weeks ago at an event up in Grayling, Michigan. It was called the Fred Bear Day, and I wanted to attend an event that for a couple of years that was a Fred Bear Day. It's in honor of, you know, Papa Bear's uh, birthday. Of course, we know Grayling was his headquarters for a long time, not just for his company, but for a lot of his activities. So I thought, well, I'm heading up to the cabin to do a couple things up uh, north, and I'll slide right in there, and I thought, ah, there'll be... 25, 35 people there because this uh, this virus thing was just starting to kind of squeak its way out a little bit. I pulled in the parking lot and said, holy smokes, there are some traditional archers out here, man. <laughs> yeah. But, More of us than you think. Oh, ho, ho. yes, indeed. I mean, I don't know what there were there. What do you think? 250? There was there was at least 200 people there. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, a neat, a neat event. and I, I just thought there wouldn't be that many with it on a weekday and uh, and a luncheon type thing, and I thought, yeah, you know, you know, there can't be that many people available to get time off work, but boy, there's a following. Holy smokes! Yes, yes, a huge bear following. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I, I kind of walked around the room to look at the wonderful displays, the museum quality displays referencing Fred Bear. Some people brought some wonderful things, and. I'm looking for a beverage. I'm going to grab a coffee, and I look over, and there's this uh, display of obviously custom-made arrows. And I thought, huh, I think I'm going to head over that way because they, they are some really handsome-looking arrows, man. So that's where I personally met you. I was enthralled by craftsmanship of those arrows. Of course, they're the arrows that you guys make. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it was back in September of last year. I signed a licensing agreement with Bear Archery to produce their logoed arrow. Woods and carbons, aluminum, if I choose. And right now, I'm just doing the car, the wood ones. Right now, they're Port Orford Cedar. I am doing some customs for guys when they want them of Douglas fir. But they are made from the 68 pattern. Wow. The 64 patterns. Got four styles right now that I'm offering, and they are actually named the, the same name the, the uh, Cedar Chief, the Cedar Sprite, oh, and so man. forth. That's outstanding. Uh, just like back in the day. Plus, the, the other neat thing is I'm from Saginaw, Michigan area, so we've got them being manufactured back in Michigan. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey, that's a neat story you just told there. And, of course, you capped it. That little story ditty, we'll call it, by uh, saying we're bringing some of that back in Michigan. People will love to hear that. I'm going to ratchet back a minute. I heard something come out of your mouth, and you were saying certain arrows made by, what kind of wood was that again? Port Orford Cedar. Or Douglas fir. Douglas fir, a little bit heavier. Them things got to pack a punch, man. They do, they do, and it's the the irony is is if you weigh them, they may weigh the same in grain weight, but they are a heavier, tougher arrow. But Port Orford cedar has killed a lot of animals over the day. <laughs> so I mean, I've I've shot both. Um, I've hunted with both. Whatever I'm grabbing. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a. Kind of a personal preference for a lot of people, probably. 
It, it really is. I personally prefer a stiffer arrow. Yep. Uh, a little spine, a little more. So if I'm shooting a 50-pound bow, I might shoot, let's say, a spine in 60-65. Yeah. Um, which just gives it a little tighter spine. And not as forgiving, I'll say. But they seem to fly like darts, so that's all I care about. Oh, uh, man, you usually bet. Use a 125 grain tip up to a 150. I do know some guys that are putting 200s out front. Wow, that's a lot of weight. So, to me, you know, personally, not shooting at anything that big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm killing whitetails and black bears. I've hunted with 125s. I actually 125s and 150s when I've gone elk hunting. But it was not successful. So yeah, let me back up here a little bit just to reintroduce your company. Of course, we did that a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's let's tell the listeners. Let's have you explain kind of how you got to the point where you're at. What what began True North Arrows, and how did you get to? I guess again, how did you get to the point where you're at? Well, about ten years ago, after the last big crash, L eight oh nine, and. I decided to get into a part-time business that would go into my retirement business. And I knew I wanted to be into the archery game of some sort. And being a long-time traditional archer, I looked at what was going on. And I was I was always shooting carbon arrows because I was so busy working. Yeah. And my neighbor, he's a former world champion longbow shooter, he said, you got to make some wood arrows and try that. So I did, and sure enough, I used the old lacquer stuff that everybody mm-hmm. used. Mm-hmm. It was called basket lacquer. Reeked up my truck inside my pole barn at the time <laughs> and, um, for about three weeks, actually. Yeah. So I've got a, a long painting background in the paint industry so i used to sell paint test paint so forth and as a contractor so i I knew of some product lines that were industrial Mm -hmm. that i could work on or work with that were environmentally safe meaning there's no odor no organic compounds so i tried it and I went, okay, this works. And sure enough, you know, okay, I'm just building arrows for myself. And I lost one, found it about 30 days later here, you know, the weather here in Michigan. And yep. sure enough, there's no checking, cracking, peeling, you know, the, the wood arrows, to, you know, totally straight. And I'm like, no way. So I shoot it. Yeah, you're on to something. I went, you got to be kidding me. So I started running some numbers and got with the manufacturer, told them what I wanted to do. So I ended up private labeling, environmentally safe paint line, clear finish line, stain line, in wow. order to make arrows, wooden arrows. With. Wow. And it went from there. I also uh, have environmentally safe primers and prep to work on carbon and aluminum arrow. So started selling to distributors. There's a couple big distributors, Three Rivers Archery. They're the largest. They carry my product line. Mm-hmm. Custom King, you know, I was selling over to the UK for a while. I still am. Just picked up another account over there. Everybody wants the environmentally safe stuff. You betcha. The advantage I have is my product line is tougher than any product out there. And I've back-tested it against other products. Yeah. Well, that, that background, I mean, that you mentioned earlier in your previous experience and knowledge of paint stains applications mm-hmm. that had to help huge and then you couple that with of course your huge background in the archery industry right 
I mean, you couple those two together, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. Let's try it. Let's see, you know, what happens. It's really grown well. And, of course, the aero business end of it, and I like to say I have a paint division and then an aero division, if you will. But Absolutely. I started doing up arrows and really, really tricking them out in order to showcase what the product line will do. Mm-hmm. And then started selling arrows. I can't keep up on my arrows on my website because they're always changing. Yeah. Inventory is constantly changing. So now we just, you know, contact me. I'll let you know what's available and what you're looking for. And we'll do it that way. Caught the eye of a few people. I started private labeling actually for Java Man Bows. Mm-hmm. He's custom boyer here yep. in Michigan. Absolutely. And then I started doing some other ones. I started doing Black Widow oh, man. Bows. Yeah, very nice. Doing their wood arrows because they they sell a wrap line for their carbons mm-hmm. uh, themselves. So said, hey, if you guys want woods, you know these are available. And then bear archery, I've been you know kind of talking with them over the, over the years, and I knew who had the account before, and it's out in California. Then they offered me the uh, licensing agreement. So it just kind of you know over a. About a 10-year span, it just it grew. The neat thing is, is that with the traditional archery, the same as, you know, the compound side, you know, there's 3D shoots constantly. You go to certain events and bigger events, and that's where you just meet all these people. Yeah. Uh, I've never met a better group of people. Yeah. It's they're... just amazing to me. They are, uh, if I may say, correct me if I'm wrong, about as loyal as you can find. Correct. Yeah, they are loyal to the sport, loyal to the person that's going to provide them with the quality match with a fair price. Mm-hmm. And they like to talk about what we're talking about now. You know, some people, just give me the bow, I've read about it, or I've seen a video. But these people, they can't learn enough about what's going on in their world of traditional archery. They would soak that up like a uh, dry sponge, which yes. is neat, which is pretty cool. And we've seen such a resurgence back i guess that happens you know over history you know here we went from where we were at 30 40 years ago you know to the crossbow which is a great tool a great hunting tool but then we kind of knew this would happen but you know you've probably seen it coming before a lot of us did but boy there's a resurgence back into traditional archery but in a way that you know maybe it was back then but with a lot more technology such as yourself providing eco-friendly products i mean products that are made you know you don't have to uh, uh, offer an apology later about everything's right up front everything's uh, you know performance based and uh, you know right from the paint down to the spline right right and you know i i shot compounds for about 10 12 years i just never had fun shooting them that's just me personally i would go back and forth back and forth over you know the last few years and finally i just went ahead and said no i'm gonna i'm done yeah i want to i want to shoot traditional what happened was my father said that to me he said you're yeah i mean he told me that you know 25 years ago he said you will go back (laughs) to shooting 
a recurve and he said you will probably put your guns down and, oh. and i have yeah um, yeah dear old dad and that uh, superlative knowledge you know i've always preferred bow hunting over anything else yeah um, we duck hunted hard and heavy you know three four days a week actually when, when we could wow that's one of the bonuses of being self-employed and retired <laughs> at the time so uh, yeah <laughs> Bonuses and downfalls, we can get distracted. <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I will say this. My game when I'm personally bow hunting is how close I can get to an animal and how far I can shoot. Right. Boy, it just you nailed it right there, not to put a pun involved, but uh, that's exactly it. Boy, I hear, I hear that from people that are reverting back, even some of our compounders that have went to the cro oh, yeah. crossbow and they said, I'm not selling my crossbow. It's a tool, but it probably isn't the tool that I'm going to pick up and hunt with a lot. I'm going to. It is, and you know there was a per personal, so it's not a business decision or anything. Otherwise, yeah. I'm selling cross guns. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I joke with everybody. It's a gun because it's got a trigger on it. <laughs> well, there's some so, truth to you know, it. There, there's a time and a place for that. There's. Younger people who cannot pull back a bow, Absolutely. or ladies, or people have injuries, yeah. elderly people, and so forth. It keeps them in the woods. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Good point. That's you know that's what they're for. Yeah. You know, I, I kid with some some people. Uh, my cousins, they're all well capable of pulling a, a bow back, <laughs> be it a <laughs> compound or a. Yeah. But you know they they want the easiness, you know the easy route of it. Yeah. The e um, the easy speezy, as we say. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like I said, I understand. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I think limitations are the biggest thing. I've tracked a ton of deer with guys. You know, we could debate about kinetic energy and debate about small broadheads, for example. Yeah. Two years ago, I went to a camp, uh, never been there. Cousin bought the 40, 100-year-old cabin over there in Talas. It was great. Yeah. And he had a, he had a smoker. He had a really nice deer. And when I went out the next morning with him, I started walking from his pop up, and I'm like, "You tell me where he was." He told me it was 20, 25 yards. It was forty five yards. He Holy shot. smokes! Wow. You know, I found blood, and we tracked, and then I lost it and circled back, and he found it, picked it back up. But we did find the deer. And it was a mile from his cabin. Oh, my gosh. Now, he hit it in the back haunches. Yeah, that's not helpful. So what had happened was the deer stepped forward in the time that bolt got to there. Yeah. Plus, he was using a 90-grain broadhead, yeah. a very small hole. Yes, indeed. You know, whereas when you shoot traditional equipment, you're putting in a two-blade or a three-blade that's popping in a three-quarter inch to an inch hole. There's no mechanics like a uh, an expandable. You know, the fixed blade is what you're shooting, and then you're getting a more punch when it hits. Hmm. That being said, he got an education on that. You know, he went right back, staking it out, meaning he put a stake out at 20 yards, and that's where he was. Yeah. 
you know, that's why he wasn't shooting past that anymore. He made the mistake. He got excited. Yep. But, you know, he, we hadn't hunted together in 30 years. Yeah. And it was kind of cool to get back and do that. But he was just like a little kid again. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like when I saw him shoot his first year. So, yeah, that was kind of neat. But, you know, when people talk about, you know, equipment, our broadhead sharp and this and that, I hunted this past November with a 1964 Kodiak Magnum. Yep, I have one in my uh, garage. I have one out in my garage right now. It's a lefty. Yep, lefty and my, I. Man, that's my a dad had one. Uh, he never let me hunt with it for whatever reason. Probably thought you'd lose it or something, you know. Right, right. But, you know, it got cracked and damaged, so it's not shootable. Yep. And I found one that matched it, matched the wood. The poundage was a little less. It was 45. His was like 52, I think. And yeah. I shot his original arrows, aluminum. They were chromed out aluminum arrows. His fletchings were still intact. Wow. So I shot those, they flew fine, and the bear razor head, his bear spring arm quiver. Yeah. I missed a buck, a real nice one. Uh, Shot under him at about 22 yards, I dropped my arm. Yep. About two days later, I filled my doe tag. I hit that deer and it went 60 yards and piled up. I have never tracked a deer farther than 60 yards shooting traditional equipment. Joe, you, you talk about talked earlier about the technology, and then we talk about the traditional mm-hmm. side of things, and we kind of, you know, we have these uh, experiences, well, we call them stories, but these experiences, and sometimes it takes an experience to learn Correct. from that, and we look at, you know, we hear people talk about kinetic energy, there's been a gazillion articles written by a lot of talented mm-hmm. people. You know, when you start looking at what performs out in the woods, you identified something to me. I mean, I've heard it before, but it's not how far you can shoot, it's how how close can you get to the game itself. Correct. And so we find these folks that buy, not all of them, not all of them, but folks that buy something that's high tech, we'll call it the compound, then the crossbow. And it almost seems like it's just the opposite. As a human being, I'm not bringing up a person's name. I'm, I'll throw my name into the mix of it. We look for an opportunity to, man, oh, God, this thing can reach out to 40 yards. Pretty soon, hey, take that thing out to 50 yards. Oh, wow. And pretty soon that you know, we find ourselves you know, not worrying about practicing because a crossbow still needs to you know, the the sport deserves the attention because the game that we're hunting deserves everything we've got. Right, right. Then, the animal deserves it. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we get these guys hunting bear. You know, we get about 12 to 15 hunters a year, roughly. Sometimes a little bit more. Anyways, uh, and deer too, but... These bear hunters up in northern Michigan, people will say, "Hey Gary, what what can I what, what do you suggest I use? What are you going to bring? You know, you got a bow or a gun? Well, I've got both." And I say, I tell them right up front, "You know, if you're proficient with both, I prefer the bow and arrow because we've never lost a bear. Our track is beautiful, the blood trail's unbelievable. Everything is about shot placement, but best bear shot with the best blood trail, not just for this conversation, but it's the truth, came from a a traditional archer. It hit that bear so hard, he put a heck of a shot on it. His experience was unbelievable because it was, you know, about 16 yards away from a really nice black bear. He watched it. I mean, it was dead on its feet. It just didn't know it. It, right. it was so dead on its feet, 
it couldn't give a death moan because it had nothing left in it to, to pause to do right. that. It was, we get blood trails from guns, even the 300 win mags, where the fat fills up the hole because the hole, even if it's twice as big as the end, the exit's twice as big as the entrance, it's still not that big. We're sharing these stories and it just echoes why, <laughs> why sometimes we circle our wagons back around to where we right. I've been running up in Ontario, and he'll put you at maybe 10, 12 yards. Yeah. I had a bear come out at 7 yards. Oh, man. Talk about, you know, I mean, that was just a total rush to me. Yeah. And and I've killed a brown bear with a rifle. It's more exciting to me to hunt with a bow than it is with a gun. That, but there again, it's just personal, personal preference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you mentioning that because for sure it is. Like you said, it's keeping it, the advanced technology is giving all of us an opportunity to enjoy the sport of hunting longer than we would have had had we not had some of these uh, high tech tools. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, we could get into the debate of three D courses, too far of a shot, not a true hunting situation. I shot sporting glaze for years, and that was based on hunting situations. And then they started throwing shots at us that were. It wasn't a hunting situation. That was a competition situation. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You know, we've done it with rifles uh, since the rifles came out. How far can we shoot it? Mm-hmm. How far can you shoot a bow? Your personal limitations is is what it is. Yeah. We were teaching a young guy to shoot, probably 16, at the league right before everything got shut down. He could kill everything up to 15 yards on that 3D course. Yeah. I mean, he was scoring eights and tens. Wow. But, you know, his farther shot that was 20 yards, 21 yards, he was he was fighting it. Yeah. That took me to serve it. I walked over and said, what bow are you shooting? What pound bow are you shooting? He's shooting a 35-pound bow, and he's shooting right. totally the wrong arrows. You know, he was shooting arrows that were set up for a 50, 55-pound bow. Wow. So they're gonna drop like a rock. Yeah. I made them up some uh, some light arrows, some, you know, five sixteenths, probably uh, thirty five forties. So yeah, those are gonna shoot like a dart. For yeah, them. I was gonna say that's a little lighter, but it's still packing yeah. a, packing a punch with that broadhead yeah. on there. Yeah, well, not not a broadhead. He's just like I said, he's just shooting targets. Right, but I mean, and if that's it, all he's doing, so the guy wanted to take that he, and convert that to a uh, to a hunting arrow. Right, if he were to convert that, then I'd put him into an eleven yeah. thirty seconds, a bigger yeah. bigger diameter arrow, and because you know, a thirty five pound bow can kill. Yeah. Deer, bears. I mean, it's all shot placement when yeah. it comes to that. Heck it, it really is. Yeah, I mean it. Like you say, it, it, it can, it will, it, it has for the ages, you know. It's yes, yes, because yeah. the average the average Indian bow, meaning American Indian bow, that was shot was in that same poundage. Mm-hmm. I remember reading an article about that. Yeah. It was a Tom Jennings article. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, he was all about, well, a lot of guys were and still are, like yourself, but, boy, he liked to talk, not technology, but just the knowledge, you know, of... of what mm-hmm. that what that bow's capability is and matching it up to the proper arrow, just like you're identifying, and that right. that was right. kind of a specialty. He uh, it seemingly uh, was his specialty. He he knew his product lines pretty well. But uh, well, this is pretty interesting. Uh, as we know, there is a resurgence. You know, I do some 
guiding up up in northern Michigan in the northern uh-huh. lower peninsula in the UP. I'm seeing, and of course out in Missouri for some trophy whitetail shoot, shooting, or hunting, excuse me. I'm seeing it. I mean, you are, and I'm seeing it too with more people bringing that traditional archery stuff. And traditional archery is, is still kind of a broad spectrum. I mean, it's it's not a definition that says you've got to do this to classify, but it might be a long bow, but it might be a recurve. It might be a takedown bow. It might be a, a wood wood shaft arrow. It might be, you know, like you said, a, a aluminum arrow with some different tips on it. But the neat thing uh-huh. about it is you're, we're seeing it more and more because people are, they've been there, done that with the other technology. They're not throwing away those products. It's just another tool, but their go-to item is, has seemingly be fast becoming their their recurve bow mm-hmm. yeah right so that's pretty neat yeah I, sh- I shot recurves pretty much my whole life and then i got into shooting longbows and did well with it and just kind of missed the recurve yeah went back to shooting those and um you know i, I go back and forth yeah it's personal preference. So. Yeah, I'm looking at time time here wise, and uh, you know, of course, we're going to wind down a little bit. But I, I've got a couple of more questions. Sure. Namely, uh, where where's Joe Callahan's business, True North Arrows, heading? What do you see in the next? We'll call it pretty, pretty much the immediate future. You know, as a businessman, five years is a blip on the screen. Where do you see right. those, yourself though in five years? Or maybe even ten years. I mean, where do you see this come? I'll still, uh, you know, I, I plan on keeping it, just doing it myself. Honestly, because of the craftsmanship that I'm doing, uh, that's one of the things Bear Archery liked about it was I'm building these arrows one step at a time. Nice. It's not in a production mode the way they used to build them. But on the other hand. I can see it growing and becoming more of a full-time thing. This past year, right up until this virus situation, uh, it was taking up about 50 to 60% of my workload, oh, wow. my work time. And my contracting business, you know, just kind of tapered off a little bit. That was the beauty of it. I could, you know, okay, finish here and yeah. then go work on this. I'll be doing more shows. Yep traveling more hitting more of those i mean you could go to a, an event probably almost every weekend of the year yeah but it's just you know picking and choosing them and figuring out which ones are the best ones to go to yeah um, absolutely it's hard, hard be hard to hit them all of course it's hard for a number of things it'd be hard to, that's a hard schedule to keep up with and it's not cheap but traveling is right. just you know, even under normal circumstances and who, mm-hmm. who knows what we're going to be looking at post-virus thing you know uh you know i i was doing a podcast with a uh, guy the other day posted it and then hooked up with a, a guy his name is uh smoky mcnicholas and he's got Smokey's deer lures out of west virginia oh, yeah. yep. i brought your name up i did i brought your company name up and uh oh it perked him right up you know i talking to him on the phone but i could tell he he sat up in his chair, we'll say. You know, it's funny. Right. Man, yeah. we went off on a tangent, though, a good one. But, you know, all of a sudden I found myself having a traditional archery conversation, but it wasn't like it's longbows. It was just, we were speaking his language, too. And then he brings up, of course, the Barry Wenzel and yep. and Gene and, and all those guys. And, and he says, uh, where's that guy from? And I told him, you know, Saginaw, Michigan. And I said, you know, I think he's building bear arrows now. And of course I knew that, but you know, I didn't want to, you know, really get into your punchline with him. And 
he, uh, first thing he says, and he's from West Virginia, he says, man, it's about time some of that came back to Michigan. That's where Papa Bear started the whole thing. Right. And that was cool. It was just a neat yep. conversation. Uh, he, he's and, a really nice guy. To I've met him a couple of times at, yeah. uh, down at ETAR. Yes. Um, in Pennsylvania at that shoot. Yes. Uh, that's show that, and shoot. That's a big one. Oh man, there's seven thousand people going through <laughs> that one. Yeah, he is. He like yourself though, in yeah. your own, in your own way, are very passionate about your craft. Right. I mean, it it matters not that you filled every order in a perfect timeline. Although that's really important, it matters more that the order was perf- perfectly uh, uh, handled. I mean, the product was not just shoved out the door. Oh, there's a couple of flaws, but they won't mind. That's not you guys right. at all. I mean, it, because you know no, when somebody no. receives that, they're going to look at the, the paint job, everything, all the details. You know, they want to feel it. They're going to touch it. They're going to spin every arrow. I mean, it's funny to watch those guys, and it's pretty cool because they, they're they very proud people of, of, we'll call it the traditional archery, but we'll just call it... Uh, you know, those days have come back stronger than ever. Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing because when when you come to these events, you may see someone that's a knife maker. You may see someone who's a leather smith. Somebody that makes the uh, hunting clothing. Yeah. In a wool pattern or a fleece pattern. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Oh, it, it really is. is. The community is just. What's what's cool for me is I never had children. You see these little guys walking around, boys and girls, and they might be six, seven, eight years old, and they got a quiver on their back and a bow in their hand. <laughs> that is and cool. They are cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that is really, <laughs> really neat. Are. That's really neat. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I look at this, and I think there is that resurgence for we'll call it made in America. We're seeing it now more than ever with everything. Oh, we're, yeah, that's gonna like snowball. Oh, and that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I don't think we should. You know, it'd be it'd be a shame for us to shut our doors on uh, you know commerce outside of our borders. We know that, but uh, boy, this right, right. this country can build some things. And the neat thing about it, well, I'll use an example. My wife and I will go on vacation, whether it be we'll call it Hawaii or just across the state. She loves going to these uh, all these craft shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she'll be wandering. I know what she's looking for, but it took me a couple of times to figure I said, you know, what are you looking for? I'm looking for quality handmade stuff. I don't want this stuff that's mass produced somewhere across the right. ocean. Right. And she looks for it. But then you look and that's where the people gather. She's looking maybe for a piece of jewelry or a Christmas gift. The same way with, like you mentioned, that show in Pennsylvania. And there's so many of them all over. And I think we're getting back to that. People want that those items, whether it be the traditional bow hunting stuff or other things that are manufactured, or I should say not even that so much as in they're crafted, crafted here. Mm-hmm. Right. And back to your arrow-making business, that's a craft. Each arrow, I would strongly think, you can confirm it or deny it, each arrow is a, at least slightly different from the other. There's no two arrows that are exactly the same because... They, I mean, it's impossible for them to be that way. Well, especially when you're dealing with wood. Yeah. You know, I, I made up some carbons, and it was, to me, it felt like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, working on them, because uh, they, they, it went so quick, it's so yeah. smooth. Yeah. 
and and I know I know some Aerosmiths that they push the carbon arrows. I mean, you know, okay, that's that's their choice. Absolutely. My clients want wood. I can put carbons out there, and they might stick on the shelf for <laughs> however long. Yeah. But sometimes it'll. It's amazing. Sometimes they just go really quick. Yeah. Boy. So yeah, it's. But you know, the wood. What's what's cool with the wood is you you're dealing with something organic. Yep. You're dealing with, you know, and they're not perfectly, you know, some of them are perfectly straight, but I hand straight. I don't put a hook on them or a compression roller. I just do everything by hand. And I know when I start putting a taper on it, if they're off. And then I check them there. I check them on my cresting lathe. You know, I'm set up right now after the expansion I did. Um, I can hang and dry 88 dozen at a time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then I can, I've got uh, 48 uh, fletching jigs there. You know, that goes fast when yeah. you put the feathers on. Yeah, you can rock and roll when you need to. Right, right, when I need to. It's kind of, to me, it's like I call it a stressless job because it's uh, truly enjoy. I love doing it. Uh, I teach, taught classes. I've given seminars on that. Mm. Nice. A couple of years ago, we were at the uh, Michigan Longbow Association. It's called the Great Lakes Longbow Invitational. Is that down in the uh, south uh, west side of the state, or am I wrong? On yeah, that? that was over uh, in Berrien Springs. Yep. They started with, I think, 12 or 15 kids to teach how to shoot. Now they have like 350 show up. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. there's, there's a following, I guess. Uh, yeah, Boy. big family event. That's awesome. We had 48 kids. Wow. And every one of them got to crest. Wow. I taught them how to all crest. You know, we did that. We auctioned off the shafts when we were done with them. Yeah. I've, I've done the seminars at Compton Traditional Bow Hunters. Let's see, I've got on my website a how-to video to use the products. And all, all it does is promotes the products. It doesn't show me at all. Right. Uh, that's the same video that Three Rivers Archery has. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, okay. I gave that to them, and they just overlaid their product numbers on it. And so Very forth, nice. So. Well, talking about your website, uh, with our listeners needing to get a hold of you, needing to check your product out, mm-hmm. how, how can people get a hold of uh, you, Joe? Just go to truenortharrows.com, contact page, and send me an email, and I'll get back with you as quick as I can. I try to do them every, you know, as they come in. Is, are there some, main, or I should say some uh, retail places, some of your... I set it up with these guys so that they don't have to stock everything. Yeah. You know, good. they can just stock what they need or yeah. want, you know, to get going. You betcha. Uh, Absolutely. Well, who knows what the next you know. guy needs or gal needs. And, right. Uh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I say that guy or gal, I use that uh, guy word as in, you know, I don't mean to knock out the uh, the female side of things. I use it kind of right. you know, omnidirectionally or whatever. But uh, yeah, because we look at Boy, it's a beautiful thing to see kids, and it's extra special to see a lot of gals in our sport, in our sport and really enjoying themselves. And I right, think, and right. I think a lot of guys are really embracing that and, and and doing what they can, whatever it would be. Maybe it's their spouse if they're you know helping out because these bows now and these arrows with you know stuff that you guys are helping on, say custom make. You're custom right. making a, a uh, an arrow 
to fit the bow that fits the gal. So she's not right. she, she's not shooting her dad's hand-me-down, which you know isn't isn't going to fit her now. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's too heavy, and I can't shoot it, and I'm frustrated. Yeah. Um, plus, if they want to make their own arrows, everything they can do. I mean, I've had three-year-old kids, four-year-old kids crested arrows. Wow. It's not going to hurt them if they get yeah. paint on their fingers. Right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it washes off. It's not going to burn them, you know, with some of the old solid stuff. Oh, nice. In that regard, you know, it's really kind of neat. My paint line, I offer a vintage line and a classic line. So, I mean, there's eight colors in each one. Wow, nice. And you, so you, and you can intermix those if you want. Nice. And then on my, the same, there's the same number with the cresting colors to do your lineage, your striping, and so forth. But then I, there's a metallic line, too, of uh, seven colors, I believe. Wow. This is, so, this is cool because people can take this, the crafting right. side up, and put it somewhere indoors. Yes. And not have to worry about wearing, you know, commercial respirators and ventilation systems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they can do this just like, uh, you know, people like to uh, scrapbook or mm-hmm. or carve decoys. Yep. Boy, I mean, this is a this is an opportunity to really get back right. and, you know, you you look at your quiver sitting up in the tree. Or sitting on the ground, but you're deer hunting or bear hunting, and you look at those arrows and you think, hey, you know, the average person that made those, painted them or dipped them, you know, they were, they took part in that. They just didn't go to the store and buy them off the rack. Right, right. They're not generic arrows. And, you know, I mean, I even have t-shirts made up, no one should shoot an ugly arrow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's it's the same as, okay, we're shooting a bow. We've got some nice looking arrows. Um, things are dead. Okay, what you know? If I was going to make another set of arrows, what would I design? Yeah, I mean, guys do that all the time too. Oh, nice. So. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to wrap things up, but I have a challenge all for right. you. I have a challenge. I'm kind of springing it on you because you just told me something that made me think about this. All right. We're going to put this podcast out probably in a week, or I'm going to I'm going to ask you to donate a couple of those shirts to a contest that we're going to have. I'm going to put, when we put your podcast up on our podcast platform, for it's reached out to like nine different platforms, but then we Facebook link it. I'm going to have some people uh, kind of like the like and share and listen challenge. Okay, sure. Yeah, and then we, you know, we'll randomly draw and we'll get we'll get, a, get them a couple of those t-shirts. Sure. Ship them off to them. That, I think that's going to be a cool thing. So we'll have to... Uh, yeah. We'll have to... Happy to do that. Well, great. That way I don't have to commandeer two of them. You just hand them over. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate your time today, Joe. This was a neat conversation. and just Not a problem, Gary. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. All right. Well, hey, take care in your quarantine. I will, and we'll uh, yeah. we'll come out the other side of this in a few weeks or so, hopefully, anyways. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, a, a, a better society. I know we will. Yes, definitely. All right. God bless, buddy. You, too. Take care. Thank you. This week's podcast is brought to you by Smokey from the hills of West Virginia, owner of Smokey's Deer Lures and the only pure patented pre-orbital gland lure in the world. Also, the inventor of the Wicked Wick compound. For your most successful hunting, visit SmokeysDeerLure.com to purchase Smokey's Deer Lures and all of your hunting and trapping needs. Hey out there, this is Barry Wenzel. 
I've been successfully hunting white-tailed deer for over 60 years now. Deer base their entire existence on messages received from their noses. You can increase communications within the local social structure by using Smokey's deer lures. They just flat out work great for me. Give Smokey's a try and I think you'll agree. Best of luck and shoot straight. Hey, I told you this was a special podcast. Yeah, I say that each week and I really mean it. But each week, uh, it seems to be uh, kind of a neat thing that I'm blessed to have opportunities to bring you these folks that we might not otherwise have an opportunity to get to know. This is a chance to almost feel like you're sitting down at the kitchen table with them or over a cup of coffee or sitting on your back deck or something like that. And that's the whole purpose of these podcasts is to uh, I'll do a little entertainment, but I bring a little uh, information to you so you have an idea of uh, what, what's out there and what's available for you, whether it be uh, yeah, building arrows um, or maybe uh, purchasing some, uh, some about the best deer lure on planet Earth, in my opinion, is through Smokies. So anyways, hey, thanks. Take care. 30 days in the hole, folks. Let's make the best of it. We'll talk to you soon. Till next time.